Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Just say, well, the real American, please stand up. Uh, welcome in, everybody. Oh, what a 22 hours. Uh, P-Man here with you. And we got the ref, Philip Pilkington, producing today. Good to see Chill Phil back in the house. Uh, yeah, about uh, an hour after the show wrapped up yesterday, Pete Thamel, uh, Yahoo Sports, dropping the bomb that... Uh, the American is going to grow, apparently, by six schools. Now, there are some that have said, ah, there's a bunch of schools trying to get into the American with these applications. Don't believe everything that's reported. But, I mean, this seems to be pretty strong. Thamel uh, with a pretty uh, detailed article via Yahoo Sports today. We put it on within the last hour, our social media. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. We'll delve into it here in this opening drive segment. We've got uh, Mike Houston coming up, Houston Huddle. We'll also hear from a couple Pirate football players. Huge volleyball action going on as well. Uh, Philip will have this covered for you in the uh, update. Uh, but, Ref, did you see uh, where Rose and Conley are playing volleyball? You got that bit of information, and then the other schools from Pitt County that are playing, right? You're all over that, right? I am. I am. You kept me updated. Okay. Thanks to the P-Man. All right. Well, I, I pointed you in the direction. You did all the rest. But, yeah, Rosa Conley right now starting off uh, the championship game of the Big East Conference. So uh, we'll see who, who emerges victorious as they will meet uh, for a third time. And, uh, of course, they played last year in the Eastern Regional Final, and Conley went on to win the volleyball championships, which are uh, set for uh, about three weeks from now. Those same championships. So we'll see. Conley uh, will be competing as a 4A school. That's always a tough flight uh, for volleyball. But, uh, look, Rose could very well not win their conference tournament if Conley were to beat him today and wind up maybe winning the uh, 3A championship. That's how good the Rampants are. So uh, two of those uh, programs scoring off. We'll try to get you uh, a scoring update as this thing rolls on, but uh, we'll see. Uh, we've got some of our sources and uh, spies there on the ground. But I uh, wanted to give a shout-out there. I think uh, Aiden Grifton, who's been really good in volleyball historically and uh, in recent years with their new coach, and Farmville are also playing. So uh, lots of excitement surrounding uh, volleyball in, uh, in Pitt County. Uh, well, yeah, let's talk about what was the big story yesterday. Uh, and uh, to me, nationally, this got overshadowed by Washington State firing their coach and three or four assistants due to the not following the vaccine mandate set forth in the state of Washington. But, um, you know, as far as all politics being local, this is a huge deal 
uh, to Pirate Nation and, and to Greenville. And look, there, there's been a lot of reaction to this, quite obviously so. We're going to break it down here. But the story came out last night basically saying that the American Athletic Conference, after losing UConn in 2019 and then with three going to the Big 12, Cincinnati, Houston, and Central Florida, they're going to add UAB, Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, uh, and Boca Raton, uh, North Texas, Rice, and Texas San Antonio. Now, Philip, have I not been consistent that I thought they should have added UAB and Texas San Antonio all along? We didn't hear a lot about UT San Antonio, but I felt like that was, of course, they're in the top 25 this week, but I felt like that was one they needed to add. Have I not been consistent? You definitely Mr. have. Those have, those have been yeah. your big two since the beginning. I've warmed on Charlotte. I didn't like the idea to begin with, but I've warmed on it. Um, and I'll be honest with you, over the last 24 hours, I've kind of warmed on Florida Atlantic. I really wasn't that excited about it, but I've, I've warmed on it a little bit. Uh, the Rice thing makes no sense to me whatsoever. The t- North Texas thing makes no sense to me whatsoever. But then I read through Thamel's article today, that uh, the one I mentioned we just posted. And basically the crux of the article says the schools applying to the conference is the critical step in the formal process. And this is interesting. He says basically these are uh, one or two uh, Senate's memo, I guess, declaring that they want to, to depart. By the way, the exit fee for Conference USA is $3 million, and that's no paltry amount. But when compared to the American, that's it's $10 million. So anybody who's out there saying, well, we, meaning ECU, ought to leave to go to the Sun Belt or go, no. Sun Belt gets half a million dollars per school for their TV rights. Now, that'll probably go up, but it's not going to go. I, I, I had it. I tried my best to avoid any kind of work last week, but it was a little hard to do. Um, and I did talk to some people, and and I was basically I was told from a very very good source that the American has every assurance that their monies that they receive per school for the TV deal with ESPN will not go down. That's been the big thing is oh, it's going to go down with these three schools leaving to go to the Big 12. From what I've been able to gather, there has been assurances that that will not be the case. ESPN has told Mike Oresco as much, and Oresco has passed that information uh, on to various ADs within the conference. That's what I was told last week. And as I kind of have watched things play out the last 22, 23 hours, it all kind of makes sense. So... The reason, I guess, that the, uh, the American has gone with these Texas schools is because, in a way, and this is from the reporting of Yahoo Sports, they want to kind of freeze out expansion with Texas schools in the Mountain West. In other words, that doesn't leave the Mountain West a whole lot of places to go with San Antonio, Rice, and North Texas all going to the American if this reporting is true. Uh, and really, they're only, you know, unless they're going to take somebody who would make a move up from the FCS to the FBS, there's a lot of talk about that out in Texas. Sam Houston State has discussed it. But the, the Mountain West, they're really only D1 option that I could figure would be UTEP, and basically that's not going anywhere right now. I also tried to put together a list of potential schools to go 
to Conference USA, but my mind, it just started to hurt my brain to try to do. I mean, Liberty obviously might be an option. JMU wants to go up to D1, and all indications are that they are, they're going somewhere. Uh, but we shall see. But, you know, Conference USA schools receive more than Sunbelt schools uh, for this television deal, but it's not a whole lot more. And the good thing about these schools we mentioned, Rice, San Antonio, North Texas, Charlotte, uh, Florida Atlantic, UAB, they're not going to get the same amount of money that, say, an ECU is, at least certainly to start, or the current eight schools that are sticking around uh, that they get from the TV deal. The thing that I find is uh, is pretty interesting here is um, – Everybody, again, saying, well, we ought to pay the $10 million exit fee and go join the Sun. You're not going to join the Sun Belt where your TV revenue is less than the American right now. And, again, I think that will come up. Or, excuse me, less than the Conference USA right now. But I think that will, will increase uh, because the Sun Belt viewership is up. And, and there's a tweet on that that kind of brought all this together. I'll read here in just a moment. But when I look at, uh, you know, everybody says, well, Tulsa could join the Mountain West, or you might see SMU trying to join the Mountain West. Again, they're not going to pay $10 million to join those kind of conference, that conference, and make less money than they're making in the American. Would Memphis or SMU pay the exit fee to go to the Big 12? Yeah, probably so, because theoretically they might would get more money than they're getting in the American right now. This is what this all kind of comes down to. Uh, the Somebody posted this. They talked about the budget. So the ECU budget according to an article I found in February. And again, you know, it was a little different in the COVID year, but the typical operating expense budget for ECU athletics that I could find in an article that ran in the Wilmington paper back in February was just under $53 million. Now you have Cincinnati, you have UCF spending $80 million. Uh, so when they leave, the, the spending among members of conference, of, of the American Athletic Conference is all fairly similar. In other words, there's not anybody doubling anybody's budget like you kind of have with UCF, which is ironic because UCF has been the one that wanted the conference to bail them out last year. But Rice's budget is just under $42 million for athletics. North Texas is around $41 million. Florida Atlantic's over $40 million. Uh, UAB, for all intents and purposes, $39.5 million. Charlotte's just over thirty-eight, And then UTSA is right there at $38 million. So these are all schools that seem to be the bigger spenders with their athletics budgets in Conference USA, at least that I could find. Uh, the academics at Rice obviously are excellent. It's considered Tier 1 as far as academics go. Same thing for North Texas, which was a, a little bit uh, surprising, to be honest with you. So when everybody's saying, why Rice – why North Texas? Well, of course, Denton is right there, basically in the backyard of where the conference offices have relocated. There's also speculation that, you know, what this means for SMU and, and Memphis. And, I, and again, I don't think anybody goes anywhere unless it is a Big Ten in, invite out of those, or excuse me, Big 12 invite out of those, out of those schools. But our guy C. Austin Cox, I thought he summarized this pretty well. I saw this real early this morning, and then I had people uh, send it to me uh, about an hour after he posted it. And, of course, C. Austin Cox hosted the AAC Daily Podcast for a number of years. He kind of continues to follow the league. I don't think he's doing anything formal now, but he really has kept a watchful eye on the American and has, has been a pretty 
solid voice at it. At it. Now, this makes sense to me what he tweeted. Appears the AAC had no choice but to poach CUSA. ESPN likes its discounted Sunbelt property that saw TV viewership up 135% last season and next Coastal Carolina to the AAC. So what Austin is basically saying there that there was some movement to get the, the, the Chanticleers to the American. Uh, CUSA's TV rights are with Stadium, CBS Sports Network, and ESPN Plus only. So ESPN took the CUSA teams it wanted. So what he's basically saying, and this has also been speculated in the last 23 hours, that ESPN has kind of pushed uh, the, the, the issue here with the American and who they wanted. If you remember all the way back at the beginning of this, the thinking was that the American might benefit and move upward, uh, perhaps in some form with the Big 12, and then the Big 12 made their move. So, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to buy into crazy conspiracies, but I do kind of think that it, it would it's not too far-fetched to believe that the American and ESPN, because, I mean, Oresco's a TV guy, that he collaborated in some form with ESPN on this. And, and I don't mean that in a nefarious way, but, I mean, some way, somehow, I'm sure that those uh, – those those sides talked in some capacity, or at least the Americans saying, hey, how does this impact our, our TV deal? What do you think of Institution A, Institution B? Uh, UAB, again, to me, a no-brainer. I, I've come around on Charlotte. I actually like Charlotte better than App State. I've been consistent with that, too. I, I think Charlotte certainly has a lot of upside with its football program. But I, I think if Appalachian State got into the American, that could be really bad for ECU. People may not like me saying that. I, that's just my that's my analysis and my feeling of it. I, I think I think right now they're maybe the second or well, probably the third best program right now, fourth best program in the state right now. If you're looking at programs and how they're doing this year, it would be Wake, believe it or not. I guess you got to say NC State, but App's right there. You know, App's playing Coastal tomorrow night. I'm kind of amped for that game, even though App lost last Tuesday. But, I mean, their, their program is about as solid as any in the state right now. And ECU's trying to build it back up. But, boy, you start giving Appalachian State the kind of money that they're competing with ECU dollar for dollar with the TV deal, That's that could be bad news for the Pirates. I get that everybody wants to, to have app and they want to have better football in the league. And the, this doesn't seem to represent good football. I mean, UAB's been really, really good since they, they came back. Again, I think there's tremendous upside in Charlotte. I think Texas San Antonio, there's upside there. We see what they're doing right now. I, I think Florida Atlantic could be good. I mean, they've had success at Conference USA. North Texas has been a bowl team. Rice just stinks. I mean, no commitment ever to anything in athletics, yet they're, they're kind of being rewarded here. But it does give you, I guess – for what it's worth, the Houston Metro. So that's kind of where we are. Again, to me, North Texas and Rice maybe make the, the least amount of, of sense in this. But And I think the move to 14 does allow you, if you know something does happen and somebody decides to go somewhere, gets an invite somewhere, that, that's where it goes. And, and look, I would have maybe – maybe this is just me. I, I could see Liberty or ODU maybe being a better fit than Rice. The ODU thing probably hurts ECU a little bit too, but I think from a rivalry standpoint, I, I kind of like ODU ECU better than I like 
TCU Appalachian State. That's just me. But, uh, you know, I, I would say, f- again, four of them I could live with. If these were the only four, because, you know, John Gilbert told us a while back that the league was looking to add four. Uh, and then Dennis Dodd told us a couple weeks ago, six, maybe as much as eight. And, again, I, I'm, I'm not total. The, the Rice thing, just I'm really down on that, and I think everybody kind of is. Because, again, there's just no commitment to athletics there. Their baseball is really – it used to be really decent, but it's not very good. Baseball's not bad. And a lot of people are talking about how this affects the league in baseball. And, you know, Charlotte's had a great year last year. Really, really good RPI. Was in the mix to maybe host. Uh, they may have, for I know. I, I'm just trying to think back. But, you know, Charlotte was a really good, really good team. And they probably – will continue to stay pretty competitive, one would think. Um, Florida Atlantic, UAB, North Texas. Uh, again, Rice is just the one that kind of is the outlier there, but I guess the academics, and they've got, look, they spend money in athletics. Their budget is, is high among those that we uh, read off to you. I did find this interesting, though, and we wanted to get this before we get to break here. We got the Houston huddle coming up. Uh, John Rothstein with uh, CBS, big buddy of Joe Dooley, CBS Sports, kind of their college basketball insider. Uh, He tweeted this uh, about 30 minutes after Thamel broke the news. If Temple stays in the AAC, the demise of its once-proud basketball program is inevitable. Owls need to emulate UConn's model and go all in. He put that in all caps, all in on hoops and head back to the Atlantic 10. And then he tweeted something in there about, Football being outscored 140 to 20 in games against Rutgers, BC, and Cincinnati this year. Well, yeah, I mean, two of the three. One's the number two team in the country. BC's had a pretty solid year. But uh, kind of cherry-picking there. Look, Temple's not going to pay $10 million to go to the A-10 and tank football. It's just not going to happen. And and if you're saying that, that's, that's nuts. Now, it, Basketball-wise, Charlotte's not what they once were. UAB has had some some tradition. I mean, Charlotte has been to a Final Four, speaking of tradition. You know, not great basketball here, but you would hope that gets better. But this is all a football move, and it's all an up, you know, a, a kind of the potential of what the markets could bring. I, I do find it interesting that they decided to go with uh, TV markets, big markets, because that was there was some indication and thinking that they they might not. Yeah, I do think Marshall would have been a, a pretty good pick if you're talking name brands. That's one I feel like has kind of got you know left out in the dark on this a little bit. Uh, but again, the North Texas and Rice thing. I think this was just all an effort by the American, right or wrong, to try to box out as many Texas schools as possible from going to the Mountain West inevitably. I mean, again, really the only one that it would leave was UTEP, and apparently from what I've been able to read in the last few hours this afternoon, historically, the Mountain West does not want anything to do with UTEP. And, I mean, UTEP's the real outlier as well. Conference USA could probably make some ads, and even with Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech, regionally makes sense. But that outlier being UTEP, whew. That's a tough trip. I mean, that's – I remember the time we had the game that started at 9 o'clock east out and you went into overtime. The game ended at like 1 in the morning. 
I remember the team had to fly back and I think turn around and play the next Thursday. It was just crazy. It was during the Skip Holtz era. It's, that's just a, a one of those trips It feels like it's never going to end. I mean, it would take basketball teams the whole day, not just, oh, we flew for six hours. No, it would take them the whole, like, 12, 15 hours to fly out there if you're doing connectors on commercial airlines and all that. It was just it was a nightmare. Uh, anyway, that's uh, the latest there. Let's uh, grab a break. We got our Houston huddle when we return, so uh, stay tuned for that. Also, we'll have a pirate report for you. A lot to go here on the Patrick Johnson Show Tuesday, so stick around. Dan Patrick mornings. Adam Gold middays. Patrick Johnson on the way home. The best sports talk lineup in the Pirate Nation is heard right here. Right, let's go. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Woo-hoo! More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. The new Ace Hardware is open in Greenville at the corner of Charles Boulevard and Fire Tower Road. So get ready, Greenville, for great customer service. The new Ace Hardware features great grills from Traeger, Weber, Big Green Egg, and more. Plus, name brand tools like Husqvarna, Milwaukee, DeWalt, Craftsman, and the new Ego line. The new Ace also has a full line of Benjamin Moore paints. Get ready, Greenville. The new Ace Hardware store is open. Come see them at the corner of Charles and Fire Tower in the old Rite Aid location. Are you ready, Pirate fans? Freeboot Friday is back. Uptown Greenville invites you to Freeboot Friday, the official pep rally of home ECU football games. Join fans for live music, food, beer and wine, children's activities, and more. Brought to you by Wells Fargo, the Freeboot Fun takes place from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. each Friday before ECU home football games in the Five Points Plaza. Visit UptownGreenville.com for more information. And as always, go Pirates! Pirate fans, single-game tickets are on sale now for as low as $20 for three great games to come. East Carolina will take on the Bulls of South Florida, the Temple Owls for Hall of Fame weekend, and then Thanksgiving weekend, it's nationally ranked Cincinnati. For tickets, go to ecupirates.com. You can paint this one purple. October is here, and that means the holiday season and cooler weather are right around the corner. But it also means the new crop of peanuts is being harvested. So if you are looking for great North Carolina peanut snacks, look no further than Bertie County Peanuts. Small batch, hand-cooked, and 100% guaranteed. You can't go wrong with their gourmet peanuts. Now with free shipping. Shop online at BertieCountyPeanuts.net or drop by and see them in Windsor at Powell & Stokes. Bertie County Peanuts, a North Carolina tradition. We know that juicy, cheesy, grilled-to-perfection burger sounds amazing, but it does sound like something is missing. Pepsi, baby! The yin to this burger's yang. Burgers and Pepsi go together like, well, like burgers and Pepsi. This perfect blending of flavors makes every bite of lettuce, every sesame seed on the bun, and every sip of that crisp, refreshing, ice-cold cola. A journey to Foodopia. Burgers, better with Pepsi. That's what I like. Is that the sound of an ooey-gooey, cheesy, crunchy slice of (laughs) P-I-Z-Z-A? Obviously. But as good as that sounds, we think it can get even better. Oh, yeah. That's the sound of a freshly opened, fizz-filled Pepsi. The only thing that can take this flavor medley of crunchy dough, mouth-watering cheese, and savory sauce to the next level. How about another bite? Pepsi and pizza sound like a match made in heaven and taste even better. Pizza. Better with Pepsi. That's what I like. 
It's time to check in with ECU head football coach Mike Houston. Hey, let's dominate today. As he prepares our Pirates for another big matchup, it's the Houston Huddle. Brought to you by HealthWise Pharmacy. Now, here's Patrick Johnson. Pirate football back after the open week, and then uh, it is a couple of games in about a a five-day or so span. Uh, We'll talk about that and uh, everything else coming out of this uh, bye week, if you will, with uh, Mike Houston, who joins us right now. Coach, always great to catch up with you. Lots to talk about. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you having me on. Good to be back. How was the off week for Pirate football? Busy. So, uh, you know, a combination of uh, practice and uh, preparing for uh, some things in the second half of the season. Did a little self-evaluation. Um, got on the road recruiting. Uh, got to spend some time uh, going and visiting. Uh, you know, some of the uh, <clears throat> some of the high school high schools where we have commits and recruits at, and got to to watch uh, some good high school football Friday night. Um, got a little time with the family on Saturday and then back at it on Sunday. Coach, as far as going out and uh, being, if you will, back on the road, a, a real stark contrast from what you were having to do a year ago. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's been two years since we've been on the road, really. So uh, just, you know, it makes all the difference in the world. Just being able to see the recruits in person, uh, being able to visit with the high school coaches and, just you know, really get a you know you you get such a much better understanding of of who the recruits are, work ethic, character, intangibles. Um, you know, you get to see them in a in a setting where it's they're they're playing live, and there's just so many things that you know we missed out on last year that you know really was unfair for the recruits and unfair for the coaches. But it's, you know, it's what we had to do last year. The uh... Uh, we've got Mike Houston with us uh, here as uh, we talk pirate football with the coach. The the offense, uh, and, and I do want to find out a little bit about, you know, some of the younger players and some of the things you did uh, to, to get some of those guys' reps in, in a week where you didn't have a game uh, as far as development goes. But you talked about the self-evaluation. The offense has uh, seen its peaks, but it's certainly seen its valleys. Uh, were you uh, working on tweaking things uh, this week or, or building on some of the successes? Well, you, you just work on consistency. And so, you know, there's certainly some, some things, uh, you know, some, some, some specifics that we felt like we needed to work on that, uh, to help us play a little bit better offensively in the second half of the season. So we did that and, and just, uh, you know, trying to, you know, a combination of getting some guys healthy that had bumps and bruises and also, you know, working on some things for, uh, you know, the second half of the season. So it was really a combination of a lot of different things. Coach, when you talk about consistency uh, within the offense, I know it's not just one area, but what are maybe some of the real areas of focus that that things have to be shored up in? It's just it's just execution, uh, and it's execution of the scheme, execution of the play call, execution of your assignment. Um, it could be something as as how how you run a certain route, uh, you know, how you make the break, how you read the coverage. Uh, it could be something with just, you know, discipline uh, at, at the quarterback deci- position with decisions you're making and reads that you're making. It could be, you know, communication and fundamentals and pass protection up front. Uh, there's so many things that goes into execution, and really that's where most of the issues have been offensively. Um, you know, just been a, a result of just not not consistently executing 
at a high level when we struggled. Now, when things have went well, then we've executed at a high level. You know, we've we've been on the same page. We've 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 made the correct reads. We've made the you know the right calls. And so it's just you know that's it's it's a frustrating thing, but it's it's one that uh, you know I expect us to to be much uh, to be much more consistent with in the second half. Coaches, a lot of that time spent uh, with with meeting with the players individually or. or position groups collectively or is a lot of that time mainly spent on the field it's both you know it's it's looking at film looking at situations ensuring that there's clarity you know that's you want to just make sure that there's no confusion on the players part that they truly understand what the coaches are trying to teach them that they truly understand the concepts uh they understand what the read should be they understand what the call should be they understand why they should you know make the mic call this way as opposed to another way it's so it's a lot of teaching in the classroom and looking at film uh, and you know, just making sure everybody's on the same page. And then it's going out and doing it. And that's, and that's where the practice piece comes in. And as I've said many times, you know, we're, we're going to play exactly how we practice. And that's why the practice piece is so critical. We've got uh, Coach Mike Houston with us uh, here as uh, Houston and ECU will uh, meet. First time in a couple of years that the programs uh, will take on one another Four o'clock on Saturday, we'll have our coverage beginning at uh, 1 p.m. with our uh, Pirate Game Day countdown. Coach, as far as uh, uh, the offensive line uh, uh, depth situation, another blow to that with Trent Holler being dismissed from the team. He's entered the transfer portal. I just, it, it just is really, I know, uh, frustrating that, boy, there's an area that you could ill afford to lose any kind of experience depth it would be along the offensive line. So where does that kind of leave that group right now? I guess Avery Jones still at center, but, you know, overall, where, where's this group depth-wise in your mind for the stretch run in the final six games of the regular season? Well, I mean, I, I feel good about our starting group. I feel good about uh, several of the backups. Now, you're going to have to ask a couple of the backups to play multiple positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may ask a starter to play multiple positions and just – you know, you're going to have to use a rotation as far as, you know, keeping guys fresh on the field. And it's, you know, certainly it was the, you know, well-documented the the weakness of the program when I got here and we worked very hard to try to build that, but it's, you know, it takes, it takes a while to develop linemen and everybody's trying to find them. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, we should get Rob Vanderlin back uh, here in the next couple of weeks. That'll certainly help a lot. Uh, Bailey Malavik, it'll be next year before we get him back. So, um, you know, you, you pretty much have what you have as far as, uh, you know, your depth this year. Coach, you, I know it's been uh, reported you've worked out some other guys at the center spot as well. Uh, how do you feel like Avery Jones has played in that spot uh, moving over? And, and you know, how do you feel when you say multiple guys who are some candidates, I guess, to, that we might could see in a pinch if, if that required you to have to, uh, you know, play someone else there for a series? Well, you know, Avery's – Avery's had a great year, and he's a really good player. So, um, you know, he's what you want at that position. So, you know, we feel good about him. Uh, Fernando Fry started uh, every game for us last year at center. So, obviously, it's uh, easy for him to move over there and, and fill in there at the center position. And then Isaiah Foote, uh, you know, he spent the vast majority of preseason camp working at center. So, he has good experience there. We have some other guys that have snapped. Uh, you always have to have multiple guys prepared. Uh, but those will be primarily the guys working. Coach, uh, Mike Houston's with us. Uh, usually in a week where there's not a game, uh, the, the so-called open week, uh, it's a chance to, to maybe get some guys 
uh, younger guys in the program uh, some reps and, and they may not get in a normal game week. Uh, how did that go this past week? Well, it went good. I mean, we, you know, we had some guys that we were working with our travel teams uh, in practice. We had, uh, you know, every day we had a, a, a portion of practice at the end of practice committed solely to the development of our, our younger part of our roster. Um, we did that uh, each day we practiced, and then on Thursday we had a you know about a 50 play scrimmage uh, with those guys. So you know everybody got a lot of work last week, and uh, it was good to see some guys uh, do some things. And you know we saw some potential. Uh, you know, I, will there be a guy that helps us down the stretch in the second half of the season? We'll see. You know, I think we got some guys that uh, you want to see come along, but uh, you know you still got to wait and see what happens. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you that, Coach. Out of that group, uh, is, is there anyone in particular that uh, you know might might have uh, played their way into some time on the field? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you know, there might be a receiver or two that uh, could could make it into the lineup, but it's just uh, you know got to continue to come along. I think you saw some some hope and potential for the future. Um, you know, a guy like Ray Rose who continues to uh, improve, and mm-hmm. uh, you know. Uh, you want to see him. He, he's, and I say that he's gotten out of where he he shows some potential. Now you got to see if he can actually do it. And it's so I just I, I hesitate to put too much, right? You know, too many expectations on anybody because I, I know how this goes. I say one word about a kid, and all of a sudden he's the second coming. So uh, you know, but but we have several kids that I, I I was really encouraged by some of the flashes that they demonstrated last week. You know, in, in building a program, obviously you you had to get guys uh, ready to. <laughs> To, to get out there and contribute right away. This is a, a little bit of a different uh, way of going about it, I guess, here. And, and obviously the, the the development of a program uh, where some of those younger guys, uh, they have time to develop. They have time to, to build on that potential. So that's that's certainly unique as well to, to where you were and where you had to be when you arrived on campus a few years ago. Well, you know, in, in 2019, we had very little depth. Um, we had very little team speed. Uh, it was really a challenging situation. And so, uh, you know, we, we, we recruited our tails off and signed a huge freshman class uh, that winter. Uh, we turned around, we played all those kids last year. And uh, so, you know, you played with freshmen last year. Now, this year, those guys are second-year players. They're still young, uh, but they're second-year players. But the result is, you know, the, the kids we signed during the pandemic you know, they just they're 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 not on the field right now because you have those kids that are certainly still young that are you know have been here for two years now. Those are the primarily the ones playing. So we're not depending on freshmen to play like we did last year. You know, we're playing primarily second year players. Uh, Coach, I think that's interesting. I don't know if we've uh, really talked about that, but as far as those players that, uh, as you mentioned, you signed during the pandemic that were maybe seniors during last year that that was just a bizarre uh, season for high school football across the board. Uh, Were some of those kids maybe not as developed as as other kids you would say? I know the weight room thing has been a big thing here, but yeah, uh, I mean, where is that? Because it's kind of interesting talking to coaches. It it seems like it's a a different thing. for It's player to player. Some players, you know, really made big gains kind of working out themselves, you know, in, in that period of time before their season started and some were really hurt by it. Well, I think it, you know, I think it depends on the state and what they were allowed to do. Uh, it depends on the player 
and what he had access to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, thank goodness, we had a fairly small class last year uh, because you know you see some of them and they're it, you know they look like they needed a couple more years of high school because they just <laughs> right. you know they really it, it hurt them. You know, we have some kids that didn't play their senior year, they didn't work out and they didn't play their senior year, so they hadn't done anything you know for like a year and a half when they got here. You know, and it's and it's tough, uh, you know, because you know you, when when you when you take the commitment, they're not in that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had some kids that we took a commitment from them, you know, early on in the pandemic. Well, who who knew what the next year was going to be like? Right. <clears throat> so, uh, and then there are other kids who were in states where they did play high school football in 2020, where they did go to school, where they did work out, uh, and those guys they look like you know, your typical freshman. So I think it's just, it depends on the kid. It depends on the, the situation. And it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. Now they're, you know, they're here. And so now they've, they've got to either catch up or, you know, they get left behind. I and mean, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Coach, you mentioned uh, that you were uh, out at uh, high school football on Friday night and saw uh, where some of the other assistants uh, were as well. Uh, that always has to be uh, kind of a special deal for you, given your, uh, your beginnings in coaching and, and the great success you had as a high school football coach. So uh, I'm sure that was, uh, you're obviously there to evaluate players and, and looking on players that have committed to ECU verbally. Uh, but that is, that's kind of a fun nostalgic time in a way I have to imagine for you. Well, you, you enjoy it. I mean, it's not, nothing like Friday night lights, you know, it's the, you know, the hometowns, the community rallies around the, 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 the hometown team. And it's, you know, you love that part of America and, uh, <clears throat> you know, had a chance to see, you know, some old acquaintances uh, that are that are high school coaches and just respect so much the job they do in their communities uh, and with those young men and their development. And, uh, and you just enjoy seeing, just seeing the sport. And I got, I got to see, you know, a middle school football game last <laughs> week. It's the first one I've seen this year. So that was, that was a different uh, experience also, but it's just, you know, you're sitting out there and you're like, you know, this is what it's supposed to be like. Yeah. You know, this is what you hope, this is what you hope that your family is a part of. And uh, so, it, yeah, there was, there was a lot of, a lot of enjoyable things last week. <clears throat> any, any offers to any of those middle school kids coach, or we still got to, anybody catch your eye? <laughs> <laughs> it was fun watching it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, one team lined up in two tight ends, double slot wing tee, oh, put the go. foot split. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Yeah, so it it was it was just really enjoyable to watch. Yeah, uh, Mike Houston uh, visiting with us here. We always appreciate the coach's time. Going to get into Houston. Uh, just curious, coach, with the quick turnaround uh, for that uh, Thursday night blackout game against USF. Will any of the prep for the Bulls encroach into anything this week? How are you handling kind of getting ready for the two games uh, in uh, such a short period of time after Saturday? Well, we're all Houston this week. Okay, so. Um, you know, it's 100% focused on Houston. It's a huge ball game for our team. And we did spend some time coaching staff wise last week preparing for South Florida. Um, it will be a quick turnaround. It's going to be a challenge to get ready for that game. Uh, they do some things that are a lot different than what we've seen this year. So, uh, you know, we did spend some time game planning them, but it's going to be a very fast turnaround, uh, there when we get back here, you know, early Sunday morning. So, um, you know, Every, everything right now is the focus is on Houston, though. Lots been made, obviously, of uh, Cincinnati, rightfully so, up to number two in the AP poll. 
Uh, you have uh, SMU's having a great year. We had UCF on the brain, obviously, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, here we are with Houston, though. They've reeled off five in a row, and this is a uh, a team that brings a lot of players back, and they can score a lot of points. Right. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, they return, you know, a ton on defense. They have ten starters back. Uh, the one the one kid that is not a returning starter, he was uh, he's a transfer from Iowa State. So uh, they have five juniors, five seniors, and a sophomore. So it's an older group that has played together. Uh, they're experienced. Uh, they have great size, great athleticism, great speed. So it's, you know, they're one of the top, I think they're fourth in the country in total defense. So one of the top defensive units mm-hmm. in the entire country. Um, so it's a challenge there. You look at special teams. Marcus Jones uh, leads the nation in punt return average. He has two touchdowns already on punt returns, so dynamic returner uh, on punts and kickoffs. Uh, you know, offensively, uh, the quarterback, Clayton Toon, uh, you know, experienced starter, you know, had a great year last year. Uh, you know, the, the, the wideout, Nathaniel Dale, uh, is one of the top receivers in the league. Uh Huge offensive line, dynamic freshman running back out in McCaskill, yeah. who uh, has over 400 yards rushing already. So, you know, a big play offense with a stingy defense and dynamic special teams. There's a reason they're five and one. Right. I, so, I, yeah. you know, very I, I, talented roster. I was going to ask you a little bit about McCaskill and what kind of back he is. Uh, obviously, he's he's had a magnificent uh, first year, uh, but uh, from what you've seen, kind of describe to us and the Pirate fans, you know what what Toon brings to the uh, table, pretty accurate thrower, but also what McCaskill, well, yeah. what kind of back he is. You know, Toon is probably similar to uh, the quarterback from Tulane, the quarterback from Marshall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a guy that runs runs well, throws it very well, um, smart, good accuracy. Um, McCaskill's, you know, a Keaton Mitchell-type running back, you know, not a not – a, uh, not a huge guy, maybe a touch taller than Keaton, uh, but a good speed guy. Uh, so, um, you know, he's he, he's a guy that, uh, you know, has done a great job for them. Uh, you know, I'm sure that he needed the bye week because, you know, a freshman playing tailback takes his lumps. So, uh, you know, that's one thing that you got to kind of, you know, get used to. But, uh, you know, talented couple of players. You, you brought up Keaton. Let me ask you about him really quickly here. Uh, he was in that spot last year, as was Rajay Harris freshmen playing their first year in that weird sort of year, but, but still it was their first year of college football and uh, they had the challenges that any freshman does where you, you know, hit the wall, maybe a little at a certain point. Uh, what are you seeing out of Keaton Mitchell and Harris, but specifically Mitchell, that is a lot different this year than, than last year as fabulous as both of them were. Well, both of them, their bodies are better prepared for the wears and tears. And, that, and that's what really got both of them at times last year was just, you know, not prepared for, you know, the the hits that you're going to take week in, week out, and your body wears down. So uh, the bye week came at a good time because they did have some bumps and bruises. Uh, so they're, you know, healed up going into this week. Uh, but, you know, they, they had the chance to put on some muscle and, you know, really, you know, have their, have their bodies better prepared, uh, you know, for – you know, what, uh, what the season is. Uh, and so they're much more prepared for the stretch run than they were a year ago. Defensively, uh, coach, how are you feeling about this group going into the back half of the regular season? Well, we feel good. I mean, we've, we've, we've played better and better. 
uh, defensively. And certainly, you know, we've gotten uh, some outstanding play from some individuals, but I think it's just the collective cohesiveness of the entire unit and the way we've played together. I mean, I think we've shown the ability to force turnovers. I think we've shown the ability to be a very physical uh, defensive unit uh, that, uh, you know, can – can can really you know make turn turn the ball game into a very physical ball game, um, you know we've given up some big plays, but uh, hopefully we can continue to limit those more and more. Um, you know we've played against some pretty good offenses, so um, you know I think we finished the first half of the season. I think we're you know feel good about the progress of the uh, of the group. I think they're it's obvious that they're you know massively improved over uh, where things were when we first got here. I think they're significantly improved over last year. So uh, you continue to see that side of the ball play better and better. Coach, as always, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Best of luck against the Cougars. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. That's Mike Houston, and our Houston huddle is presented by HealthWise Pharmacy on Memorial Drive, where they put your health first. Locally owned and operated by pharmacist Marcy Parker. That is today's Houston huddle. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. 94-3, the game. He's going to go in. Touchdown. The fastest two hours in radio. Fastest two hours in radio. The award-winning Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown. With Patrick Johnson and ECU legend Terrence Copper. Counting down to kick off with all the info you need to get ready for game day. Bushlight Pirate Game Day Countdown. Pirate Game Day Countdown. On 94.3 The Game and 94.3thegame.com. Dogwood State Bank is changing the landscape of community banking. That term community banking is not just a catchy slogan for Dogwood State Bank. They're really defining what it means to bank local. Big banks may want big business, but Dogwood State Bank wants your business, no matter what size. At Dogwood State Bank, your business is big business. Come to Dogwood State Bank and you'll see the difference. Dogwood State Bank with offices in Greenville, Moorhead City, Wilmington, Raleigh, Sanford, and Charlotte. Hey, I'm Gray Fussell, proud fourth-generation winemaker at Duplin Winery and proud new graduate of East Carolina. So many great things are happening right now at the winery. We're celebrating our 45th anniversary this year, and I'm officially Duplin's newest full-time employee. For four years now, I've been asking you to buy our delicious wines from your favorite store, and I hope you'll continue to do so. I think this makes me the official voice of Duplin Winery, so if you see my boss, who is also my dad, tell him I deserve a raise. Thank you for your support, and go Pirates. Chico's Mexican Restaurant is where the fiesta never ends. Grab your amigos and head to Chico's every Wednesday for shrimp tacos for only $9.99. Plus, Wednesdays means all Mexican imports for only $2.50. Thursdays, enjoy your favorite beef, chicken, or vegetable fajitas for only $9.99. For Mexican food and fun, it's got to be Chico's in downtown Greenville and now available through DoorDash, featuring a half gallon of the famous margarita mix to go for only $9.99. Chico's, where the fiesta never ends. I'm with my health insurance agent, Bill Jenkins. Bill is an employee benefit specialist and life insurance agent from Town Insurance. Bill, give us an update on Town Insurance here in North Carolina. Town Insurance is a top insurance and employee benefits agency in North Carolina and ranks in the top 50s nationwide. We have primary offices in Greenville, Kinston, Wilmington, Raleigh, and now Charlotte. And Bill, what are areas Town Insurance specializes in? With our experienced account management team, 
We specialize in employee benefits, including group medical, dental, life, vision, disability, and voluntary options for employees. We compare these options with several of the best carriers in the market and assist businesses on benefit administration as well as employee education and enrollments. And how can a business best contact you to review their employee benefits program? Give us a call, 252-756-8300. Call today as the best time is now to come to town. Philip Pilkington here with your 94-3 The Game Sports Update. Little local volleyball action underway. Currently already started the conference championship match for the Big East 3A-4A is 19-2. Conley hosts 20-2 Rose. The Vikings and Rampants split the regular season matchups. Conley won the first set 25-23. Eastern Plains 2A Conference Volleyball Tournament semifinals are also underway. Aiden Grifton and Southwest Edgecombe. AG is up 1-0 currently. And at 7 o'clock tonight, Green Central will play Farmville Central. Both of these matches are at Farmville Central. From the NFL, the Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield believes he will play Thursday against Denver despite dealing with a shoulder injury and the NBA season gets underway tonight as the Nets go to Milwaukee and the Lakers host the Warriors. Some teams will be without their stars to start the season though as 76ers have suspended Ben Simmons for their season opener after a spat in practice and the Clippers will be without Serge Ibaka due to a back injury. Colorado Avalanche star Nathan McKinnon clears COVID protocol and will be able to play tonight this will be his first action of the regular season. The American Athletic Conference is looking to add six members, Florida Atlantic, Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, Rice, and UAB. Live from Major League Baseball right now, game three of the Dodgers and Braves. Dodgers are up two to nothing in the top of the second. Later tonight, the Astros will take on the Red Sox. Sox currently lead that series two to one. Also today, the Yankees announced that they will bring back manager Aaron Boone on a three-year deal. That'll do it for your 94-3 The Game Sports update. Now back to the P-Man. Now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Brought to you by Dogwood State Bank, exceptional progressive customer service and the latest financial products in a cost-effective way. Meineke doing car care right. Flatland's Jessup Insurance Group, when you're ready to talk about insurance protection, call Flatland's Jessup Insurance and also by... Time Financing, need money fast. Time Financing is your personal loan specialist. Time Financing with two dozen locations in North Carolina. All right, uh, we'll hear more from Coach Houston tomorrow on the show. Right now, Tyler Sneed. Lose the uh, music bed there. Thank you, Philip. Uh, Tyler Sneed on the importance of the bye week. The UCF lost in such a close game. We needed a bye week. Um, you know, sometimes that can hurt just, you know, soaking in that and how close it was. But I think we got over it pretty quick, and we just look forward um, to Houston. And Steve talked about that close loss to the Golden Knights. We feel like we outplayed them uh, basically the whole game, uh, at least for me. I, I mean, I feel like they would say the same. But, um, you know, that one, that one hurts more than getting blown out to me personally just because it's, it's like you were that close. You knew you had the game. But, um you know, you just take it out here, and it fuels you to just, you know, you don't want to have another close one like that. You want to you either blow a team out or put it away. So uh, definitely going into practice, we'll, we'll work on that. 
And this is Tyler Sneed. His thoughts on the results of the season halfway through. Yeah, no, I, I think we're right there. You know, I, I felt like in South Carolina, I felt like that gave us confidence, even though we didn't win. Um, just coming out the, the week after that, you know, at practice, I think that boosted our confidence, you know, that being an SEC team, you know, us playing like that. And then we did win three straight, and then going into conference, uh, Tulane had a, had a pretty big win, and then UCF, like that, like we said, we, we felt like we had it. It was close. But um, just building on confidence, you know, this week is a huge week, especially because they're one of the top teams in the conference. So, Going in there away, if we, if we do get that win, the confidence will be boosted a lot, and hopefully that can spring us to a roll. All right, Miles Berry, uh, linebacker, says, uh, well, he actually lays out the game plan for how the Pirates are going to deal with Houston's offense. You, of course, heard Coach Houston a minute ago in our Houston huddle talk about all the uh, explosiveness that the uh, Cougars possess. Miles Berry on that. It's really just doing your job, um, you know, getting the call, making sure you, you know your responsibility, have the correct alignment, and, and doing your job. When you do your job, explosive plays can't happen, you know, and, and even if they do happen, then next play, next play mentality, and lining down and doing it all over again. Barry elaborated on exactly how to prevent those explosive plays from the opposing offense. Well, Houston is a, has a very dynamic offense. Their passing game is very strong, uh, but we, you know we got to stop the run, got to um, attack attack the quarterback, and I get him into third down situations early in the game just to uh, rattle him. Uh, but really, we just got to finish games. You know that's the main thing with defense. Uh, you know we've been playing well first three quarters, even the fourth quarter, but we just have to finish. Uh, we have to and get off the field on third down and fourth down and finish these balls game, ball games to get these wins. And then Miles Berry on what it would mean to get a win against Cougar High on the road. I think it'll be huge. Uh, it'll be, for one thing, it's a, it's a win in the conference, and that tells our conference that we're not, you know, the same East Carolina that we used to be, and that we are a serious team and a serious uh, program in our conference and in our league. Um, but this game is as big as any other game that we've had. You know, we just, like I said, we just have to go one and zero this week, and and keep it pushing, keep it moving. All right, a uh, little update. Uh, that, by the way, that is today's Pirate Report. A little update on uh, the uh, volleyball we told you about. AG rallies to win the second set, 25-23, uh, in uh, high school volleyball against uh, Southwest Edgecombe. That game being played right now in the semifinal of uh, the EPC. Uh, winner will get the winner of uh, Farmville Central and Green Central, which will be played later on this evening. Uh, and an update from Rose Conley Volleyball, that second set is tied at 12 apiece. So there you go. That is the uh, the deal there between those two warring factions, longtime uh, rivals. A lot of respect between those two programs and two teams that could very well win a, a state championship. Uh, by the way, our Pirate Game Day countdown this week uh, for Bush Light, it'll be uh, one till three. Right here on the flagship of the Pirates, 94-3 the game. Looking forward to uh, having Terrence Copper back in the fold. And we'll bring you the uh, very latest on the Pirates and Cougars leading you into uh, action there as uh, ECU will uh, try to get to 4-3, and three, put a uh, winning uh, number uh, on the board, be a, a big conference uh, win too, give them their second win in the league. And, um, you know, uh, I know they're not openly talking about Bowl possibilities, but uh, I think you got to look at this one as 
one that if you get, it's a little bit of a steal for the Pirates. I, I think this and Cincinnati are their toughest two remaining. And they're all going to be tough, but, uh, you know, it just really depends on can you move the ball against Houston. Delve into that more this week. Coming up tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show, Kyle Robinson, Aces for Autism. Tim Tebow's going to be in town Monday. Tell you how you can maybe be a part of that. And support a tremendous cause. So Kyle Robinson, long time with ECU basketball, now has gone uh, full-time with the Aces for Autism, so we'll talk to Kyle about that. It's a great, great uh, asset to the community here. And Kyle's a great guy. Looking forward to talking to him tomorrow. Thanks to Mike Houston on the Houston Huddle today. Big thanks as well to the ref, Philip Pilkington. Good to see Chill Phil back in the hizzle. And we will be back tomorrow, 5 o'clock. Patrick Johnson Show, always online and on social media. 94.3 The Game. The Jolly Roger has set sail. Breaks a tackle. He's in the uh, 10 to the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Pirates. Pirates football. At the 18-yard line. Is back. Picked up by the Pirates, and it's a touchdown for ECU. Tune in for all the hard hitting action all season long on your home for East Carolina football. The flagship for the ECU Pirates. 94 3, the game. Improve the 